The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Multimedia Cafe. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up on today's program, U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer stops by to talk about Harold Hamm and the legacy of the godfather of the Bakken. Andrew Jordan with Blackwater Environmental explains why the word environmental is used in his name. He also gives us an update from the Powder River Basin and why he's seeing growth in Wyoming, North Dakota, Colorado, and Kansas. All that plus much more on today's episode of the Multimedia Cafe. Let's start off with U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. Wanted to ask you about Kassam Solomoni, how that has a geopolitical as well as energy impact across the industry. Uh, Senator, thank you for joining us today. No, it's my pleasure, and, I, and you pose a really important question, and I think it's a, I think it's a great question, frankly, because it, it allows those of us from North Dakota who've been supportive of and observant of and heavily involved in the, the, uh, the shale, uh, shale evolution and uh, watching how places like North Dakota have been able to become the global price uh, set uh, price stability, if you will, provide that global price stability for a commodity that at one time, you know, 10 years ago, even five years ago, and it, uh, the killing of a, an Iranian general would have sent not just a ripple, but it would have been uh, it's a huge impact on the price of oil. Instead, we saw about a 3% increase that lasted for about a day. And of course, remembering that oil was already on a slow upward trajectory, and I believe still is, uh, based on some supply constraints. But I think to the larger point, the, what's happening in the United States of America, us becoming an oil and gas powerhouse, the number one uh, producer of, of oil in the world, has helped stabilize the negative impacts of, of things like what happened last Friday with uh, the taking uh, General Soleimani down. Or even, if, as you might recall, late last year when Iran attacked uh, Saudi Arabian um, oil assets or British oil tankers in the Straits of Hormuz, all of those would have had major negative impacts. Unless, of course, you're an oil man, it's a positive impact when the price, with a price spike. Instead, you saw these little blips and then a return to normal very quickly. And uh, I think that's, that's as a result of the incredible ingenuity, innovation, and and investment of uh, you know the frackers in America. You mentioned oil assets. I wanted to ask specifically about uh, the safety and and the target and the just the flow of oil. I, I you know I've been joking you know over a, a cocktail late at night with somebody about how you know it seems like the the value of the dollar is really 
behind the military might, behind the energy supply on the on the planet, you know, that that can move the energy supply. And there's a little bit of truth behind it and a little bit of, uh, you know, late night talk behind it too. But what it does is it really shines a light on how important the infrastructure is for the global economy that we live in. Uh, talk to me a little bit about th- that angle of this whole thing. Yeah, you know, it's really an important granular point. And and that is that even if you have, let, let's, let's, in fact, let's just build it up. If you look at the fact that God put a whole bunch of oil under the ground in the United States of America, just having it there doesn't make you energy dominant. The technology that allows you to recover it certainly helps. But it's the ability to move that oil to market that really has the impact on the global economy. And, and especially if you're an oil-producing state in the middle of the North American continent, nowhere near a port like North Dakota is. That means the, the infrastructure to move that oil, whether it's rail or pipeline, is, is critical. And then, of course, the infrastructure at, at the water's edge, that is the ports that are able to take it from there to markets around the world. That is critical to this price stability um, that I was talking about earlier with regard to, to U.S. oil. And so, um, you, you know, without the ability to get the product uh, apart from the production and to the market, you really don't have much of a product at all. Talk to me a little bit about Harold Hamm. Uh, we're obviously mentioning oil prices, and he just got in the news recently predicting a 19% price jump, I think is what I saw. or so, Yeah, 19% jump in the next six months. Uh two-part question, I guess, because first, you know, I know you've got a personal relationship with Harold Hamm, so I'd like to allow you the opportunity to talk a little bit about that and, and your thoughts on what he has brought to the Bakken specifically, and then also oil and gas, but then also his prediction about 19% jump in oil prices. Sure. Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, Harold Hamm is known as, as, of course, the godfather of the Bakken, not because he, he discovered oil or because he was the first one to find it in North Dakota. He didn't drill the first well, but he did crack the code, that code being the code that allows a horizontal drilling and fracking to work together, and that's what unlocked the shale in, in North Dakota and, and throughout, of course, the country. But he, he was very focused on a specific North Dakota. He bet a lot on North Dakota, as you, as you know. I think he had near a million uh, mineral acres before, before he... Uh, before he cracked that code and, and was able to, to get that oil out of the ground. And, of course, everybody else uh, you know, followed up, and there were a lot of other companies, a lot of important companies, legacy companies, large companies, as well as local smaller companies who have been able to benefit from, from that, um, that innovation. But uh, it would be hard to overstate Harold's impact on, on the Bakken. But beyond that, he's been a great corporate citizen. Harold has taken a real interest in North Dakota as, as a, uh, you know, not as a boyhood home, but really as a second home. And he's treated our state with, with great integrity, and he has been generous as a corporate citizen in North Dakota, and, uh, of course, has, has helped bring a lot of um, notoriety to the Bakken. Uh, and, and that's not, again, to diminish the role of several other CEOs and other companies, but nobody's really... Nobody's really carried the flag like Harold has. Um, his his recent his recent announcement to step down as the CEO um, really doesn't change much for Continental Resources. Harold Ham still is 
continental resources. And that was U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Aaron Jordan with Blackwater Environmental. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you. There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects groundbreaking the davis refinery make energy great again yes that is the hat for the energy industry folks wear it proudly show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention grabbing fashion declaration make energy great again pick up the only hat for the energy industry make energy great again visit keepenergygreat.com that's keepenergygreat.com Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Aaron Jordan with Blackwater Environmental. Aaron Jordan, Blackwater Environmental. Let's start off by finding out uh, what Blackwater Environmental is. Yeah, so we're a coating sandblasting service company out of Gillette, Wyoming. Um, We do basically everything that has to do with asset protection sandblasting, specialty coatings, um, plural component coatings, arc spray coating for the inside of boilers for power plants and uh, refineries. Mm-hmm. Do quite a bit of that. Um, secondary containment in the oil field around tank batteries, plural component um, polyureas. And, you know, just try and keep everything looking nice and keep everything contained and keep the rust level down. How's, how's business been on something like that? I mean, I imagine you go outside of the oil and gas industry as well, but it seems like it's the primary driver behind what you guys are doing. Yeah, so uh, power energy is really big for us too. We do a lot in the energy sector, um, power plants, things like that, but oil and gas has been pretty good. You know, we're, 
we're one of those companies that they want to have around because we we keep tanks from leaking you know we coat the interior of them and keep them up to date uh we do secondary containment so if there is a spill the liner catches it uh we do ponds with poly you know um poly welded ponds so we're kind of one of those companies that we are a necessity but we're also a luxury in some sense so everything we do is protecting assets and protecting environment and keeping quality of environment up by you know protecting it so to speak so we're you know we're busy this time of year this is usually our slow time of the year but we've been keeping pretty steady this year everybody it seems like it's just keeps going around here so well i was going to ask you about the environment part because that's obviously a buzzword and it's in the name of your company black water environmental and so i wanted to ask you just kind of what your you know whether whether it's a sales pitch or your mission statement or just kind of the you know the 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 market where it's driving you to you know, focus on, but where, where are you seeing some of the environmental uh, business or the environmental insight or just the the, the part of a industry that you guys are seeing the, uh, you know, solving solutions in that environmental side? Does that question make sense? Yeah, so we get that a lot. Everybody wants to know where it comes from. Um, basically, what happened was I was, I started this company as a consulting firm where we would, we had customers that we'd go in and we would do uh, tank inspections, we'd check their coatings, kind of give them a lifeline of, you've got so much time before this tank needs recoded or it needs it now, uh, kind of thing. And we thought, well, you know, environmental is kind of a buzzword, and it, it works for what we do because we keep, you know, tanks from leaking and polluting the environment. And we just kind of ran with it and we were doing a job in North Dakota and I got a call from one of our old customers and he said, we got some guys painting the inside of the tank. It's going South winter's coming. You know, I think there's a blizzard on the, on the forecast for that week and they didn't want to pay any more money to heat the tank and do a whole bunch of things that you have to do when a blizzard comes in, you know? So we went in and we helped them get the tank. They just need a little bit of, you know, support and, job management just getting the tank done is what it ended up being and we helped them get it done and then all of a sudden this customer of ours said good so you'll be up here in three or four months when the weather weather breaks to do these other two tanks and well we don't do that anymore and then all of a sudden they kept calling and calling and we had crews built and started buying equipment and we started repainting tanks and stuff again so it it really kind of came from the environmental you know aspect of it is we're always trying to protect the environment right so a lot of things we do it keeps oil and materials and things from hitting the ground so we're you know protecting the environment so it 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 started out as kind of a buzzword and you know if you read any kind of thing about companies that have environmental in their name they figured out that you get like 15 percent more traffic through your site because of environmental a lot of people more look more towards you um 
so it kind of started that way and then it you know really focuses on what we do for the most part Aaron Jordan Blackwater environmental uh, I believe on LinkedIn I saw that you guys were hiring about a week or two ago uh, yep, always hiring. Okay, like. yeah. T- first of all, uh, go ahead and give you get, if you're hiring, let people know what you're hiring for. I mean, you're the president, so um, you you kind of know wh- where the different areas of growth are, and also um, transition that to maybe a little bit of the Powder River update and where you guys are seeing some some activity. If you're branching out, you mentioned North Dakota. Are are you into Colorado and down in the Permian as well? Just uh, Talk to me about your guys' growth, if you're hiring, and, and where you're seeing the activity. Yeah, so we're hiring laborers, we're hiring project managers, um, hiring sales guys. We're seeing a lot of growth towards Douglas. It seems like it's always been busy down there. It's only getting busier. We work quite a bit for some gas companies east of Denver in Colorado, uh kansas we've been doing a little bit down there towards dodge city for another customer of ours in the gas fields um north dakota where we've got a stackyard over by south minot towards newtown we do quite a bit of work over there in the warmer months so we just keep a, a little yard over there that we can stack trailers and stuff out at and uh yeah it seems like it's you know, everybody is scared to say what it's doing for the most part because you don't want to jinx yourself or, you know, the industry. But it, it really seems like it's at a st- pretty steady keel and even maybe a little bit of a upwards climb on what work and production's doing. So, you know, it, it usually slows down this time of year, but everybody, we you know, we had lunch with some guys today and they said, yeah, it doesn't seem like it knocked off at all this year. So it seems pretty good. No, there's still activity happening. I mean, I tell people too, I mean, they, they're getting more efficient. You know, the uh, the rig count needs to be updated a little bit. I think the, the old way they count rig counts is pretty antiquated. I think um, a lot of even the uh, politicians and the industry folk, the ones, you know, the executive director types they'll even agree with that too because the the shale play you know there's such a quick decline curve after you know they're they going with the refracts and they do some after that first that first initial frack there's such a decline so um that changes things but at the same time you know north dakota they're pumping out million plus barrels a day texas is doing what they're doing and you know, you still got some good activity happening. You're mentioning down in Kansas. I didn't even know there was anything going on down there, but good for you. You found some natural gas work down there. So there's work to be had. I see where the Powder River, you know, they're talking 30 years of work in the Powder River. And you're based out of Gillette, is that right? Yeah, yep, our main office is in Gillette. You got any other offices, or you just do a Gillette and then send the guys down and let them... Let, let, let them be good members of the uh, tourism economy by getting hotels and <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah, we, we hotel a lot. We, we do have rental properties in different states where we, yeah. like I said, North Dakota, we got one where we stack materials and equipment out because, you know, when we, when we sandblast, we use two-ton sacks, mm-hmm. and we're ordering them truckloads at a time, 20, 30 sacks, you know, 
So it's a lot of material to have sitting on a site for a customer, especially when we're doing large outages at, you know, refineries or power plants. Um, and, you know, back to our environmental aspect, we've completely got away from coal slag blasting materials just because of the silica level and the lead and the copper and the things that are in it. So we've switched completely to a garnet-based blasting material. Um, and it's, you know, more environmentally safe. It's better for the employees, better for everybody in the area. Mr. Aaron Jordan, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Aaron Jordan of Blackwater Environmental. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, the Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you folks for joining us. Coming up next, we continue our conversation with Aaron Jordan with Blackwater Environmental. Um, and it's, you know, more environmentally safe. It's better for the employees, better for everybody in the area. Um, we've switched. We're in a pretty good flow of moving into VOC-free materials for coatings. So, here and you know talking to our we work really close to our vendors um to help with customers who are looking for specialty coatings and you know from everything we've heard from our vendors here in probably the next 10 to 11 years you know they're gonna they're working really hard on making most of the coatings in the industry voc free which is kind of hard most of our plural component stuff right now is completely VOC free, but you get into your epoxies and your polyurethanes and things like that. And you're always going to have a little bit of VOC in it. So we we're kind of on the uptick that the less hazardous material that we have for our employees, the better work we get out of everybody. And, you know, the safer the job is and it's just a better practice, 
you know, we see these guys blasting with black beauty, sandblasting sand still and not wearing hoods most of the time and the silica level in that's like 98%, not to mention the lead level and all the contaminants that are in it. So we've just completely moved away from that practice. Aaron Jordan, Blackwater Environmental. I'm looking at the clock here, kind of wrapping up uh, as we get to some final thoughts. Um, what, what do you want people to know about, you know, especially people in the industry listening, potential customers, things either that, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of questions I'm asking people uh, have to relate to 2020 being, you know, the most important year in oil and gas's history. I believe that. I, I think that the amount of um, rhetoric and the narrative that's happened with, with oil and gas, especially in the state of Colorado, and you look at California and New York and even the presidential election, they're talking about banning the industry. So it's, you know, this is nothing new and this isn't political speak. This is just what's happened. The industry has been polarized. So um, I don't know if you want to address that at all or anything, but just kind of the, 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 what you guys are doing out there and what you want people to know about what you can do for the industry to uh, kind of help them either out in the well site or, you know, in, in on the activism side too. Cause some people, they like to get involved, but some people don't like it at all. They don't like to get involved in the politics, but this year's a little different. It seems like everybody's got to pay attention. I don't know. Um, anyway, so there, there you go. There's a loaded question and a live hand grenade for you, so I'll drop that in your lap. Well, I, I think it's interesting. You, you started this whole deal basically on the side of you were going to out everybody and drag somebody out in the street show the worst parts of it right well part of it yeah i mean i guess and then once you start interacting with the people in the industry and kind of seeing the good side of the practices and the good things people are doing and how much it benefited the country and where you lived you kind of changed your mind on things you're talking about when i first started this whole crude life deal you're talking about yeah yeah Yeah, no hey uh, excuse me i didn't realize you listened to the to to the show appreciate that yeah no when i first started this yeah i and and uh, it wasn't you know that i was against the industry it was that was the shape and the narrative of the industry for me, you know, growing up on the east side of an agricultural state of North Dakota, and I thought it would be the easiest thing for me to do. But no, you're right. Once I got out there and met the people and saw the way the industry worked, oh, no, totally. My, I went where I felt it was the most ethical and honest, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, yeah. Anyway, I sorry. Mean, yeah. Yeah, we, we see that a lot. We, we've got power companies that we work with in Michigan, and you go out there, and they find out where we're from, and they always want to come real heavy with, well, you think you know what you're talking about, but, you know, you're destroying the environment, you're destroying, destroying the country. But then, you know, once they meet us and they start talking to us, and we, we just had this conversation. I was in Michigan visiting some customers and going over some outage plans for this year and we went to lunch and one of the people that they had with them she was new and she was she had a pretty good idea of who we were before she ever met us you know guys from wyoming oil-based um service company 
and she told us after lunch, she goes, I, you know, after listening to you guys speak about it and your views on it, and she thought we were going to come in and we were going to be real harsh, you know, and real one-sided, but we see, you know, how everybody kind of views it, and it's, it's something that we need, so we can't write it off, but we need to have better practices on how we deal with it. You know, we can't just run wild like the old days. We have to have some you know, stand up to what's going on. You just can't do what they were doing. You have to better your practices and try and be safer on the future, you know, so we have a future. So, you know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years here in Gillette. And, um, you know, it, it's a way of life for us. And it, it's hard to have somebody come in and say, you know, we're destroying everything because we're also – My family's had a ranch in Campbell County for 100-plus years now, you know, so you can't be a crude oil man and destroy the environment when you're running a ranch because it goes hand-in-hand, you know. You destroy the environment, the cows don't grow, and you can't make profit on that, and then, you know, your oil business suffers. So you really have to pay attention to the whole world. You can't just be closed-minded. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard that from people that, well, what do you do? Oh, you work at power plants? What a, you know, what's that? They figured that power came from the light switch. You know, I plug something in and it turned on. And even my wife, my wife's from back east, and she her jaw dropped when we heard this lady say that. And it was one of them deals like, wow, uh, that's, that's interesting. You know, we didn't say nothing to her. We just kind of explained, you know, what it was and, because you don't want to make anybody feel bad, but it was one of them deals. You just can't believe it sometimes that people can think that, you know. So it education's big in our industry. You have to educate people that we're trying to do the right thing. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and things happen, and that's life. You know, you can't control everything that happens in life. So. And that was Aaron Jordan of Blackwater Environmental. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. So here's to the picture that holds us laughing, and here's to the sound of one hand clapping, and here's to not letting this moment pass. And here's to carrying the weight of the world And here's to screaming, yeah, never being heard And here's to not letting this moment Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact You tell the facts and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking.
the Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Jason, how are you? Appreciate you joining the program here today. And also, I appreciate being a part of your weekly OG briefs as well. Uh, we'd like to get a oil and gas weekly update. And John Clark, founder of Clark Energy Consulting, is going to do that for us. And he has a weekly briefs, which uh, he aptly calls OG briefs. So we're going to find out what's going on in the O, which I assume means oil. And then we'll find out what's going on in the G, which I assume means gas. So, John Clark, how are you doing today? Doing well, Jason. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. And let's start off with the O side of things. What's the weekly brief in oil? Well, uh, every Wednesday, the EIA releases their weekly report of inventories. And so uh, the, re the report for the week ending last Friday came out this morning, the analysts expected a 400,000 barrel build and the EIA actually reported a 2.5 million barrel draw for last week. So the inventories were down. Uh, following the oil price, we actually saw it sell off a little bit this morning, dipped below $58 a barrel, but uh, leveled off somewhat compared to what we saw last week uh, as... Uh, General Soleimani uh, and oil prices reached $65 a barrel and ultimately sold off. We dipped below $60 per barrel for the first time this year. And actually today, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, uh, released their monthly oil market report. And it actually stated that they... They increased their forecast for 2020 world oil demand growth by 140,000 barrels. So they expect there to be a growth of around 1.22 million barrels per day. And they also nudged their global economic growth forecast to 3.1% for 2020, uh, while cutting their production growth estimate by a slight 34,000 barrel per day mark to 2.17 million barrels per day. Uh, so that's interesting, uh, and I think there's a few dynamics. I had a chance to read through it briefly. Uh, we'll, we can cover this more next week as well, but uh, OPEC sees oil prices um, or oil demand growing as a result of a strengthening global economy. Uh, tomorrow, the International Energy Association, or IEA, they'll release their monthly oil market report and so we can talk more about that next week. These are two reports I follow every month in addition to the weekly inventories number and uh, gives a little bit of an idea on supply and demand. You know, we, we hear a lot through traditional media channels about supply and the over, especially with shale supply being so strong. We don't always hear about demand. And these two reports are good indicators 
of demand and kind of the global economy. John Clark, founder of oil, founder of the Clark Energy Consulting. Sorry, the um, OG brief. I got oil and gas weekly update, which I, I always forget to mention. That's what we're doing right now. It's the crude life oil and gas weekly update. John Clark, the founder of Clark Energy Consulting, just giving us the oil part, the O of the weekly OG brief that he does, puts out with his organization. Now I'd like to transition to the gas side of things. You know, you mentioned the demand side. Of course, Mexico has just been waiting for us to open up our pipeline so we can get some natural gas down there. So natural gas is in demand, but these pipelines need to get built. Um, I'm not sure what your uh, uh, microchasm and the, the weekly report says of the uh, gas update. I know what the existential and the 5,000 foot view is, but what's going on on the weekly update on the gas side of things? Well, natural gas is um, pricing is dictated a lot in the winter on temperatures and uh, obviously natural gas being a uh, heating component. And then in the summertime, a power generation source, uh, oftentimes in the winter when these cold uh, spells break across. I know last week, uh, I think it's it, we had tornadoes in Texas and it snowed in Dallas. So, uh, <laughs> And it's about 75 degrees in Houston today, so go figure. But uh, we saw uh, yesterday Nat Gas uh, about two and a quarter. It sold off slightly. Today we're sitting at about $2.12. I think that, um, you know, the weather and and will dictate price, but we should, we should, uh, I don't think we'll, we'll see natural gas go below $2. Uh, We may, you know, we may see $2.50 later this year, but um, it's hard to to say with the way weather swings sometimes. How's the weather in North Dakota there, Jason? 20 below today. No kidding. Wow. I know. It's, I'm absolutely not kidding at all. You know, one of the things in, in North Dakota that uh, happens quite a bit is uh, the governor has to waive uh, driving restrictions when it comes to hauling propane because of uh, agriculture. You know, the, the grain drying and, and crop grind, drying and that sort of thing. That That's another element of natural gas that if some pipelines and some, um, um, I, I call it the uh, smart, clever science projects that they have going on at these different well sites and just some other things. There's just so many uses that natural gas can get used for. I, I, it's, it's a shame that it's, it's three bucks um, for the companies out there. I get it for, you know, it's nice to heat your house for hundred bucks a month and 50 bucks a month and that sort of thing. But on the flip side of things, it's a it's a shame to see all that natural gas wasted out there when there's so many different uh, uses for it. But anyway, it's um, we're not going to solve that problem today. But it is cold up here today. Hey, to answer your question, it's 20 below. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, something interesting in the news recently: Russia announced a new gas pipeline they are building, a 400 billion dollar investment to send gas to China. And it's interesting, uh, you know, natural gas, especially in Asia, is is always in demand for power generation. And the switching from coal to cleaner natural gas is is kind of really the future. But it's taken some time to get there. Russia's always had a hold on Europe uh, as far as power generation. And uh, now this gas pipeline 
uh, will help Russia diversify, uh, but it's also changing the commercial side for LNG exports to to be able to be sent to Europe, uh, which is interesting. The you know LNG and, and a company like Chenier here out of Houston, um, they've been working on many terminals in Louisiana and, and Houston to uh, to send that gas. Um, they're starting to to make uh, you know positive cash flow, and and I think the market for LNG is interesting. Another topic that I'll be covering in more detail this year is something called IMO 2020. It's uh, the International Maritime Organization has actually re- uh, changed their requirements for marine vessels. They must reduce their sulfur uh, content of their fuel from previously three and a half percent to half a percent. And that was effective January 1st of this year. Uh, and there's a couple ways that they can do this, either by installing scrubbers in those vessels or by uh, mixing distillates with uh, or other low sulfur fuels. Uh, and then the third option would actually be using LNG uh, for as a transport fuel. So an interesting time, um, you know, there's actually a fun fact. There's more the, there's more oil. The weight of the oil that's transferred across the oceans is actually more than the weight of all the fish in the sea. So that's how big we're talking about. Um, and then, you know, the uh, the recent attacks in the Middle East, uh, I think the forecast for this year, which I'll be talking more about next week, uh, my outlook for 2020, uh, there is a component of geopolitical risk and, and, and obviously what's going on in the Middle East. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's going to do it for today's program, the Multimedia Cafe. I'd like to thank Aaron Jordan with Blackwater Environmental and U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer for stopping by today's program here at the Multimedia Cafe. All the interviews that you heard today, plus other exclusive content, can be found at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies asking it out. Save your life and enjoy the spice. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 
Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery.